Warning, this podcast contains bad language, controversial opinions, and various other forms of thought crime. It is not for the weak of will or the faint of heart. This is a decadent podcast, and if you can't handle that, you should go elsewhere. Further warning, sometimes this podcast doesn't contain anything controversial at all, and it's just me talking about interesting things with regular people. I'm changeable like that. Greetings, fellow mutants, and welcome to the Lemurian Hour, your weekly excavation into the interesting. Presented by the Ministry of Propaganda of the Serene Republic of Lemuria and the Temple of the New Flesh, I'm your host, the Right Reverend Johnny Lemuria. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Episode 2 of the Lemurian Hour. Now, when I first started doing this podcast, my idea was to make each episode exactly one hour. Not more, not less. I failed miserably at this. Because you're dealing with a bunch of different parts all pasted together, you can only cut so much from an interview to make it fit before you just get a random word salad. And while I'm not adverse to random word salads, I'd like to have the random word salad as a thing and have the interview as a thing, not have them combined. So this one runs a bit long, others will run a bit short, and so on and so forth, but they'll all be around an hour. We're counting a Lemurian hour as anything around an hour, and that's what it means now. So uh, this episode contains uh, weekly musings on the events of the week with my brother Ben, and then we talk to Catalan Justice about the very interesting musical from 1942, Hell's a Poppin', which is a regular feature of the Murray Hour called Cinematic Pig Seat. And now, without further ado, me and Ben talk about stuff. Hello, Ben. Welcome back to the Lemurian Hour. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good to be here. Are we just going to talk with increasingly long syllables throughout the entire interview? Let's do that. Let's oh, just... yeah. <laughs> and the moment has passed. Okay. Uh, so how are you doing? How is wonderful cosmopolitan Asheville nowadays? Great. It's great. It's sunny. Uh, it's cold like it should be. Okay. <laughs> getting worried there for a minute. Yeah, I think in Pennsylvania, all the cold saved up until yesterday and said, hey, let's all just do it all at once. We'll get it out of the way. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's nothing better than a good cold snap. Okay. <laughs> so maybe... Can, the senses. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? Maybe you can help me out with something here. Yeah. Um, so as you may know, I am restarting, well, I'm starting the uh, Serene Republic of Lemuria Micronation. Now, is that where you're going to, like, have, like, a raft out in the middle of a lake? And, no, 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 uh, no, no. going to no. be a sovereign? Well, maybe. But, no, mainly, <laughs> this is uh, this is nationhood as art. Sure. Um, and one thing I was contemplating doing is selling uh, military uh, officerships. Because mm-hmm. you, you did that. I mean, you could buy... Uh, an offer sh- you could buy rank in a, a military back in the older days. So Wait, are you I, saying I did that? I never did that. No, you didn't. No, no. Historically. I mean, it's a great idea, but I have not done it. People did that. Sure. People did that. 
So I'm trying to think of what rank to sell. Um, uh, the idea of colonel came to mind. It could be a Lemurian colonel instead of a Kentucky colonel. Oh, I've always wanted to be a colonel. You think that so? That always seemed like the coolest one, yeah. Okay. It totally doesn't sound like it's spelled. <laughs> got lots of famous colonels throughout the years. I thought maybe going back to the ancient Greek, maybe I could sell uh, being a Polymarchos, which is evidently ancient Greek for warlord. Hmm. I don't know if that... Maybe. This is something to consider. But I, I'll, I'll buy... Ch You'll what? That's chariot driver? Is that a rank? Gotta be some rank to be chariot driver, right? I'm sure, yes. Uh, there's a Greek cavalry. Uh, they were the... Let's see... Epihipark. You could be an Yeah, I'll be a hippo. Okay. I'm going to be lead hippopotamus. On the subject of hippos, mm. let's get into what's been happening in the world today. So there was that hippo attack, I believe, in El Salvador. Now, when you say... Now, hippo, the hippo was attacked. Yes. It was the hippo attacking. Right. Normally, when you say the words hippo attack, it means the hippo done bite somebody. But in this case, the hippo was in a zoo, and from what I understand, it was killed by an, what they think is an ice pick. Oh, so it was killed. I thought it was just attacked. It was actually killed? No, it was killed. Wow. So someone murdered a hippopotamus. Yes. Maybe it was, he was ang maybe they, he lost his family to a hippopotamus attack? Well, considering they were, they were in South America, that seems unlikely. Well, there's airplanes. People can get around. <laughs> that, that's true. Those hippos could be everywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fast. Um, no, there's 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 sick, disgusting people out there, and someone just uh, broke into the place and killed the hippopotamus. Just to uh, paraphrase a question that gets asked so often in subgenius circles, why a hippo? Well, because maybe you feel like some kind of power from killing such a big, strong animal. I mean, you'd feel the same way if you killed a lion, right? Although it's like, how much of a fight is this hippopotamus putting up? Like, well. It depends on whether they are in water or not, I suppose. Cause I, I know. How did this person kill a hippopotamus with an ice pick? That's what I'm wondering. Well, let's see. Um, this happened in the uh, National Zoological Park in El Salvador. Uh-huh. So I didn't even know they had hippos in uh, their zoo, zoo, mm. zoological parks in El Salvador. Uh, but, yeah, hip uh, died from sustained uh, from injuries sustained during a brutal attack in El Salvador. Just reading the... Uh, uh, headlines here. Police and medical examiners are investigating and found injuries around the head and mouth that seem to have been caused by an ice pick. Yeah, this this sounds crazy. This, <laughs> this, I, I would need to see some surveillance footage. Hmm. I don't know if I'd want to watch the surveillance footage, but no. I mean, what the hell happened, you know? It looks like someone beat him uh, to unconsciousness with a big, like, iron rod or something. Yeah, how it's... do you even get that close to a hippopotamus without it biting you in half? That's a good question. It was the predator. The predator. <laughs> yeah, he's given up those, did it. Given up those shoulder-mounted lasers and went straight to the iron bars and ice picks. Yeah. Okay. For the challenge. For the challenge. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> speaking of challenges, uh, Trump is doing his level best to make the world a more challenging place. Mm. Uh, what are your feelings about this whole State Department brouhaha? I'm not. I read the article. I'm still not sure what's going on. I, whenever I read Jezebel, my eyes glaze over. So it's really difficult <laughs> to read an article by then. Okay. Well, what it sounds like is, um, uh, you know, remember the movie Office Space? Sure. Yeah. It's a terrifying glimpse into now. 
Well, remember when those two guys were like interviewing everybody to see who kept their jobs? Sure. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, that's going on at the State Department right now, but with less tact. Hmm. So uh, is everyone being vetted right now? They're, is not that even what it being, is? they're not even being vetted. According to the article, people are being let go willy nilly from the State Department. And, and was what I find fascinating. Oh, they're 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 draining the swamp. Yes. No, no, they're not. They're not. Well, isn't, that what, isn't that what Trump said he was going to do? He was going to get rid of all the, get rid of everyone, <laughs> pretty much. Yes, but you don't drain a swamp with a flamethrower. True. If I can mix I my think. metaphors. Well, I mean, it'll evaporate after a while. I suppose. Eventually. I don't know. <laughs> and you're just left with mud. Um, well, what I find so interesting is that there's so many uh, quotes in the article from State Department members who are saying, yes, we know the system is bloated. We know it needs reform. We know some things could be cut. One of them said the surest way to become a libertarian surest way, surest way to become a libertarian is to work in federal government. Um, but they're not doing it with any sense. They're not doing it to see what's efficient and what's inefficient. They're just it seems like they got a uh, a dartboard and a blindfold and put the State Department org chart uh, up there and just started throwing darts at it. Well, I mean, is the State Department something where who who hires and fires from the State Department? It's not elected people, right? Well, like the State Department isn't elected, or is it? The State Department is controlled nominally by the Secretary of State, mm -hmm. who is appointed uh, by the president after being. Who's Who's even Secretary of State right now? Rex Tillerson, mm -hmm. whose previous job was working uh, for a major oil company. Okay, yeah, all right. This isn't the guy that, uh, or he did, did have something to do with Russia. Was he in, He, I know he's got some, like, interest in Russia. Well, but... yes, if you're in oil, you have some interest in Russia, because there's a sure. lot of oil in Russia. Yeah. Hmm. So he has some interest in Russia, but uh, what's supposed to happen, ideally is the president picks his um, secretary of state. The Congress mm -hmm. says, okay, he can be secretary of state. Then he comes in and he fills some of the top positions with his own people. Yeah. Or people that he likes. There's usually uh, a lot of career civil service people who stay throughout the administration. They don't replace everybody in the state. But all those people are getting kicked out now. But not all of them. It's, it's, it seems, it's, according to the article from The Atlantic, it's seemingly at random. Hmm. Which points to my central thesis. I just want this is this is my fear about this current age. I'm glad that there's all this resistance to Trump. That people are standing up, people are rediscovering their civil liberties and commitment to human rights and stuff like. That. I'm glad about all that. Mm -hmm. But I get the sinking sensation that if Trump was better at this, there wouldn't be nearly as much ruckus. Right. It's not that people think he's evil so much as they think he's incompetent. Right. He's an incompetent clown, and that's what gets people riled up. If he was Justin Trudeau, who spoke incredibly eloquently, he could get away with murder. Well, I mean, let's not say that Trump hasn't gotten away with murder. True. But I say that. <laughs> I mean, he he is the president. He he kind of got away with murder. Yes. Um. I don't think he's as stupid as everyone thinks he is, but he definitely doesn't know how to talk to people uh, in a reasonable way. Mm. He's not a diplomatic person at all, <laughs> uh, which I guess is kind of a huge, uh, you know, uh, requirement if you are the face of 
the country. It's one of them, yeah. Yeah, like definitely the stupid stuff that he puts on Twitter is what who is letting him use Twitter? <laughs> it's it's so stupid. I mean, he's got to know that. I mean, he's spelling stuff wrong. It's horrible. Who's going to stop him from using Twitter? He Twitter is. needs to stop him. Twitter needs to drop his account. They get rid of Twitter accounts all the time. You're going to be the company that denies the president of the United States? Sure, why not? What, what's he going to do? Well, whatever he wants to. As you said, he's the president of the United States. Yeah, well, I didn't say that. The, the American people said that. Or at least you said pretty, it. It's all your fault. You know what it is. It's all your fault. The Electrical College. No, the <laughs> elect, I think, uh, said that he's president. Yeah, I know. We all agree. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's ridiculous. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the State Department. And uh, it doesn't sound like anyone else knows either. It sounds like a bunch of speculation. Speculation and firings. Increased uh, lunch breaks. I love that idea. Increased that, lunch breaks, yeah. Everyone is just congregating in the cafeteria because no one knows what to do anymore. I think, I mean, I know that it, the, there's crazy stuff going on. The whole ice thing uh, and... Uh, you know, building a, a wall and all this ridiculous stuff. But, I mean, they are going insane over every little thing that's happening. Every little thing is, like, the end of the world. And it's getting, you know, it's getting to the point where I can't pay attention to everything because I don't, I mean, it can't, everything can't be the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> that, and, you know, we talked about this last time. Uh, I don't know if uh, that last episode it got aired or anything, but... uh you know, people are like pining for the days of uh, George Bush or George W. Bush and stuff. And I'm like, no, no, George W. Bush, I think, was worse. I think was worse. And, at you know, millions and millions of people died and trillions and trillions of dollars were spent on nothing while George W. Bush was president. Mm. And none of that's happened yet. As far as I know, one soldier's died, this Navy SEAL. And uh, quite, quite a few civilians. Yeah, and quite a few. Well, you mean in another country, right? Yeah, Yemen. Yeah, well, tell that to any president. Yeah, you know? true. <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think people need to stop saying that the sky is falling and uh, calm down a little bit, and maybe uh, things might be okay. Because, uh, I mean, what 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 are you going to do about it? <laughs> Doom. Yeah. Doom. No. See it. <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, what we can do about Donald Trump. And one suggestion has come up is get off the damn planet. So SpaceX is going to be launching two civilian tourists, basically. Yeah, around this is the just moon. a moon tour, right? Yes, a moon tour. I think that's a great idea. I mean, if you got the rockets and you can send them off into space and you can make millions of dollars off of it, why not do it? True. Although, now, here, yes. what, what is in rocket fuel? Uh, let's see. I think kerosene is one of the big things right now. It's rather toxic. It's it's definitely not uh, your normal grade of gas, shall we say? Well, how much how much ecological damage is being done every time we shoot a rocket off into space? Well, considering we don't do it all that often, not very much. I mean, we yeah, but if we're making millions of dollars every time that we shoot a rocket off into space, we're going to start doing it a lot more often, probably, right? Well, yeah, but that's increasing from like uh, four times a year to eight times a year, at least for the next couple of decades. Right. I'm just saying we should we should put a plan into place. I think Mr. Elon Musk should start working on that space elevator mm -hmm. if he's going to be sending all these rockets off into space while willy nilly with, uh, you know, no probably, supervision. Probably be a better idea than the Hyperloop. 
Although I like the Hyperloop. I like the idea of a giant pneumatic tube across America. So I have a question for you about uh, going into space. Let's say that you're a bajillionaire and you wanted to do sure. a moon tour, which means that you're okay. in a tin can smaller than most modern living rooms for mm-hmm. at least three or four months. I think maybe six months. Okay, That's you how long it takes to go around the moon? I, well, I don't know, but I think it's it's a while. Um, huh. Let me see. How long does it take to go around the moon? Wait. I would think it'd be pretty quick. Wait. Ah, you know, I was completely off. Never mind. It evidently takes about three days to reach. The I was going to say, yeah. I mean, the moon isn't that far away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not okay. that big. Jeez. All right. <laughs> that kind of makes it anticlimactic. <laughs> I, think, I think you're thinking of Mars. Probably. It might take okay. six months to get to Mars. Okay. Um, so about three days to get to the moon. Okay. Three days to get to the moon. And yeah, I can do that. I'm standing on my head. No problem. Yes. But you'll be with somebody else. I mean, you can't pick the crew. There's going to be a crew there. Um, yeah, I get to hang out with an astronaut for three days. That's cool. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I that's worth to, my, my hard-earned cash right there. I'm trying to think of the list of people I could uh, stand to be in close contact with like that without starting to murder them with their own air hose after two days, and it's a short list. Sure. Well, <laughs> you're not invited to any moon trip. <laughs> you got to be cool. I'll be in the little life pod attached to a tether at the back. Right, yeah, <laughs> you, you get dragged along. You're, you're just in a spacesuit uh, attached by a hose. By the, hold on to the hose. I'll, I'll glue a I'll glue a surfboard to my feet so I can mine okay, surf. There you go. <laughs> uh, just, just gleam in the cube all the way. To the moon. <laughs> what is what is it when oh, that's skitching? That's skitching when you uh, is that what that is when you grab behind a car while you're on a skateboard? Un- amazingly enough, my knowledge of skateboard terminology is not the greatest in the world, having not been a skateboarder at all in my entire life. Sure. Sure, and what I've heard through the grapevine is it's sketching. Sketching. I did see Gleaming the Cube with uh, with Christian Slater, so I know a little bit. You're one up on me, then. Yeah. When we time travel back to the 80s, you shall be our ambassador to the skateboard people. Sure. Great. <laughs> I don't want to be I'm here. Welcome. Talk to them. Talk to them, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a very niche, <laughs> niche <laughs> happening. Uh, yeah, so, uh, no, I think that's a great idea. Well, is there controversy as far as uh, Elon Musk sending up millionaires into space? Didn't Richard Garriott go to the uh, the uh, space station? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he did. Like the guy who uh, did the, uh, what is that line of games? Uh, it was like the first role-playing game on a computer, or one of the first. It was uh, Ultima. Yeah, the guy who made Ultima apparently went on a uh, a space trip for a lot of money yeah look it up richard garriott but yeah it's it's you know it's happened before okay hey richard yeah garriott uh let's see richard garriott just look lord up. british as he's also known well yes we're not going to say lord british went to the space station uh i think i bet i bet lord british is the first thing that'll pop up that's the first thing that'll pop up if you type in lord british let's see yeah, he did. He uh, There is a blog and audio and video of his tourism to the International Space Station. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they should just spruce up the International Space Station, put in, you know, some kind of zero-gravity jacuzzi or something. I don't know what you do. An espresso machine? <laughs> put your 
put your whole body except for your head in a hot sack of water and just <laughs> bounce around in a nice padded room. <laughs> Sounds luxury to me. Well, that is one positive um, aspect of the future. Let's talk about another uh, positive aspect. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, there we go. We go. This is what liberals want the future to be like. That's what I'm like. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they do want that. Although, I don't know. Uh, what's your feeling on the whole uh, wearing a, a what, what do you call it? Uh, the hijab? Uh, hijab the is burqa. I mean, it's well, a burqa, right? There's a. I mean, there's different things. There's different names for different things. Well, it but, looks like she's wearing the whole nine yards in that picture. I think she. Well, not the whole nine. Not the whole whole nine yards. I think the whole whole nine yards covers the eyes as well. It's basically okay. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, you got the little black mesh over right. the eyes. Yeah. What? Um, I think. I mean, people can do whatever the hell they want to do on the subway train. I don't care about that. It's just it seems like a lot of uh, there's been a lot of uh, I don't know looking the other way when it comes to like Sharia law lately, which is like kind of weird. I, I think don't, I I don't see how not that to sound like an Islamophobe, but I mean maybe that does make me Islamophobe a little bit in terms of Sharia law. I'm totally against all that stuff. Well, I'm not sure where you see Sharia law here. It's the whole hijab, the, the having to wear the the mask and everything. Okay. I mean, is she just doing it for vanity? She's doing it because she wants to. I mean, does there, she really want to? Does she really want to? Well, you get down that rabbit hole. I mean, you start questioning every uh, decision anyone ever makes. Do you really want to go to work? Sure, you want to go to work because you get money. But do you really want to do that? Do you really want to eat that animal? Sure, you like, you think it's tasty, but do you really, really want to well, do it? Well, those all make sense to me. Those all seem like you have to eat an animal for protein and stuff. You have to go to work for money. Why are you wearing, you know, why do you have to wear a mask everywhere you go? Because the definition. Like, who's telling you to do that? Is that is she telling herself to do that, or is that like some kind of like law that she's? The definition. Well, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, I mean, there's like you know, Orthodox Jews have to wear like the the hats and stuff like that. You know, I guess it's a a thing, and it's a, cult, a cultural thing. It just seems oppressive. That's that's all to me. I look at the definition of pants changes from culture to culture. Sure. So put some pants on means different things to different people where you go. So this is just pants. Yes, it's silly and arbitrary, but so are jeans, so are trousers, so are button-up uh, shirts, so are ties. It's all silly and arbitrary because it's all fashion, and it's based upon our neuroses and our habits. So it's not That's the thing though, is is that fashion that that lady's wearing? Is that fashion for her? Of course it's fashion. Is she wearing that of her own volition? That's what I want to know. How many people are wearing pants of their own volition? Uh, lots of people have to wear pants to go outside, I guess, but you don't have to wear pants. There's no law saying that you have to wear pants. But there are you people can totally who totally get away with wearing shorts. But there are people who feel more comfortable wearing long trousers than they do wearing. Who is comfortable wearing a mask? Who can... who is who are we to say? I mean, she apparently it's the, it's Sharia law, isn't it? That you have to do that. There, it's not. Well, the thing is, Sharia law is a kind of vague concept. I mean, is it? I thought it was a set of laws. 
It's a set of laws. Is it a different set of laws depending on who is enforcing them? Well, that's like saying that um, Mosaic, that's like saying that Orthodox Jewish law is only the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's not, though. Right. right. Because there's the law and then there's commentary. And every religion has commentary. So right. depending on where you're ta what you're talking about, there's Sharia law and there's Sharia law. But it doesn't matter because there's no rule on the books. There is no book there to, uh, that says people have to wear uh, burqas or hijabs or anything like that. There is no law. There, and there's right. never going to be a law. No one is ever going to say in New York City, you got to wear a burqa. I mean, yeah, yeah. but in other countries, there are countries where you have to wear a burqa, right? There are, yeah, it's like in Saudi Arabia. And we're not, but we're not talking about Saudi Arabia because that's not what the controversy is about. The controversy is about uh, one person wearing a burqa on a train mm -hmm. along with a picture of someone else wearing very, uh, shall we say, flamboyant, almost anime-esque <laughs> clothing. Oh, it looked normal to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, a, a transgender, or uh, that I guess some people would call it cross-dressing, but I don't think that's the term you're supposed to use anymore. Well, I mean, it depends. Um, it, she, it could be cross-dressing. I mean, it might be. It might be cross-dressing. It, it might, you know, it might not be transgender. Yeah, but it doesn't, right. it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. See, so, but that's that. For some reason, I'm totally cool with that, and because it feels like he is extra or she is exercising uh, their freedom. They're doing whatever they want. They're dressing how they want. Uh, there's no law applying to them. While it seems like, on the other hand, the person sitting next to them uh, is being oppressed by some kind of patriarchal, like you know, uh, 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 what. Patriarchy, <laughs> so, like, like just like uh, some old jerk somewhere is telling her how she how she has to do things, and, and he, that I mean that's against everything I believe America is about. And it's possible that some old jerk is telling her to do uh, something, and she feels obligated to do it because of that. And if that's true, that's not great. But it looks like someone in an ultra abusive relationship. And really? they're kind of being public about it. Yeah, for sure. That, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, I don't know anyone who'd want to wear that. Like, well, yeah, but you don't know that many people. You don't know that many people, Ben. Neither do <laughs> I. I know a lot of people that put clothes on. Yes, you know a lot of people, but you don't know that many people. There's 7 billion people on the planet. You don't know most yeah. of them. You don't have any reaction with most of them. You don't have. Yeah, but I know. I know people. I know how what people like. You know, I think there's a human a human thing. To, I mean, I know there's people being totally oppressed in other countries. Yes, in other countries where there are actually laws on the books. Yeah, but for some reason it's also here now. That's uh, I don't know. It just seems weird. I mean, to me. would you where would you raise the same objection if you saw a nun? Uh, I think it's a little weird. I think nuns are a little weird. Um, yeah, uh, I think you, that is kind of weird. Would you say that it's evidence of a creeping Catholic conspiracy to take over America? No, and I don't think that is either. I don't think the burqa thing is either. I mean, I don't think it's dangerous. I just think it's fucked up. There's so many things fucked up in this country, in this world. 
I'm not going to start uh, stressing over uh, hijabs and burqas. Right. I'll say now. That, yes. On the other hand, uh, the guy who posted that picture seems like a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, the all. Uh, I mean, I I uh, I agree with a lot of conservative stuff, as it probably you probably can tell by the conversation <laughs> we've been having. But uh, I cannot like the whole alt right thing. Just seems so. It's not. It's number one. It's it's gross, obviously. But also, it's it's like. It's just so skeevy. It just seems so skeevy. And uh, it doesn't seem like people that play by, they play fair. It's, it's like people that are, it, it's like a bunch of lawyers with Nazi haircuts. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't like it at all. All right. I don't like, I don't like calling people a cuck. I don't think that's, I think that's dumb. I think that's really stupid. Um, I, what I love yeah, about I, that. I don't love anything about the alt-right, but what I love about that particular thing is that it has galvanized the cult, the cuckold community. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're cucks. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use that word. It's our word. Yeah, that's our word. <laughs> um, I, I think it's like, well, number one, I'm totally against white supremacy. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Um, and I guess that's like a... a a tenet of the alt-right, right? That, that's, it's kind of it? up there, yeah. Kind of? Yeah. There's some that are into it and some that don't most espouse of, it, I guess. Yeah, that's are, the thing. Alt-right is way too vague. It's like it covers way too much stuff, and the media uses the word alt-right to describe stuff that's not alt-right. Like what? Uh, let me think. Uh, like, uh, okay, like uh, the PewDiePie. I don't Do you know who PewDiePie is? I know who PewDiePie is. The entire freaking world PewDiePie? knows who PewDiePie is. No, yeah. I, they didn't say that PewDiePie was alt-right. They, they said, said he was just an outright Nazi. They didn't say that either. They said that he did some incredibly dumb things on his channel. And they were incredibly yeah. dumb things. And Sure, the, that's YouTube. Well, no, this was on actual TV. Oh, he yeah, the channel? Uh, I thought he was doing it on his YouTube channel. Well, actually, I don't honestly know. But he was going to have a TV channel, but that got skipped right. because of what he did. Right. And it's be, he became a cause celeb of the alt-right because of what he did. They never actually said he was, you know, in the alt-right. They just said mm. that they liked him because of what he did. Yeah. But people, I, I think... I don't know. It just seems to me that if you have to um, continually defend yourself from uh, being part of the alt-right, I'm not part of the alt-right. I'm not part of the alt-right. If that many people are accusing you of being that, maybe you should start looking in the mirror a bit more. Uh, no, I don't believe that because, I mean, according to the same people that are calling a bunch of people members of the alt-right, uh, they would also say I'm racist because I am white, probably. No, I've they wouldn't. This, uh, no, they, they would. Wouldn't. They totally would. They totally would. Okay. It's, a, it's, the, it's people on Tumblr. There's lots of people on Tumblr. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, no, like, if you're white, you have ingrained uh, racism that you cannot escape. And you don't think that's true? I don't think that's true, no. Are you racist? I'm a bit racist, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit racist, too, and so is everybody else, but well, I don't yeah. think whites have the monopoly on it. 
I mean, my upstairs neighbor is white, and uh, he's from Lebanon. He's never owned a slave, and no one he knows has owned a slave. But that's not the point. That's not the thing. When people, uh, you're, everyone may be a little bit racist in that everyone is a little bit tribalistic. But that doesn't mean that, shall we say, black racism is equivalent to white racism only because, because of this very important thing. White racism, that uh, tribalism, even for the people who are so oh so liberal, oh so progressive, oh so egalitarian, that little yeah. bit of uh, tra tribalism that they got in their brains due to socialization clicks with the institutions and laws that we have in this country. It's, it's the key. Yeah. Haven't so, we gotten rid of all the laws that explicitly state that Explicitly, Certain minorities can do things. Explicitly, do things. yes, but explicitly is not the issue. It's been it was set up and has continued to be maintained to give certain people a break and give certain people a boot. And that sure. and it that may not be written in in black and white on the law code, but it's still there. It's still there with a nudge and a wink. That's the issue. Uh. It, I think it really depends on – it all comes down to the cops enforcing these nudges and winks. Well, yeah, it depends It depends on people enforcing. But people aren't going, ha, 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 I shall twirl my mustache and enforce white supremacy by uh, enforcing these laws. It's just people going out day to day saying, well, I don't may not like it, but this is my job and I'll do it. And every little time people go, eh, it's just my job and do that, things build up, things accrete. And when enough things accrete, you get institutional racism. Yeah, but I mean, uh, aren't there black cops? There are black. Aren't cops. there black prison wardens? Aren't there? There's. I mean. And like it I just said, seems like it doesn't require you to actually be explicitly, uh, as I said, mustache mustache twirling racist. It just mm -hmm. requires you to serve the system. As long so we shouldn't have this. The only way that we can not be racist is by getting rid of this, all the whole system. The only way to stop racism from hurting people is to radically change the racist system that is hurting people. This isn't about what make the, system racist? the accumulated uh, thoughts and actions of hundreds of years of racists. It was set up to keep rich uh, white people in power. And as a consequence, keep poor black people down. That's what the system was set up to do. And the system's right. been doing that for the last 200 plus years. And you're, you say that the system's still doing that. To a large extent, yeah. It's doing it less now than it did before because uh, of reforms. Lots of people are having more income and social mobility now than ever before. And that's great. That's fantastic. But mm -hmm. it's still there. It's still doing that to an unacceptable large number of people. Are you saying the uh, because the uh, prison population, it's uh, a lot of it is drug offenders? That's one part of it. And it's not just drug offenders. It's the type of drugs. I mean, you know the whole thing about crack cocaine, right? Uh, that it was uh, sold to, to the inner city by the CIA? Well, that's part of it, yeah. But that you could uh, get like parole – you could get probation – um, if you were selling powder, but the same amount of cocaine sold as crack could get you decades in jail. Right, because black people were doing crack and white people were doing coke. 
that's how it worked out. Yeah. The law is treated the same, essentially the same thing differently. And so it affected a certain population differently. That's well, I mean, we both agree that we should get rid of the DEA, right? Yes. And the BATF. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, is that, is, it, is the DEA protecting us? Uh, us as in, uh, white people, I guess. Is it protecting us? Cause I mean, I could easily get arrested for anything. Yes, you could. I mean, but, I'm just as much a target as anybody else. But if you did get arrested, you... I would get a lighter jail sentence. Well, on average, uh, things would go better for you than someone else in your equivalent circumstance who things was not... not go good for me in prison. You're wired. I don't think. Well, but... <laughs> And I do, I do like prison food. I could totally <laughs> eat prison food all day. So maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it's weird that, like, uh, prisons, like, well, at least from what I've seen of, like, you know, watching Oz, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But, like, less and less you so automatically. As the seasons progressed. It just seems like you have to pick a race and hang out with it when you're in prison. I mean, maybe we should be getting rid of that. Maybe we should, like, be keeping an eye on that kind of weird stuff. Because, I mean, once people get out of prison, they are going to be racist, right? It, if they have to hang out with their own race and, you know, abide by rules as far as what race you are. That seems like a good root of racism right there on any side. It's not a great thing. I wouldn't call it the root cause, but it's definitely not a well, good the, thing. Well, the prison system is just churning out, like, damaged people right oh yeah i mean that's kind of what it's set up for the term is white and black like any any race that's in there like you come out of there and number one you can't get a job and number two you've been in prison for the past for however many years and you are probably psychologically screwed up the uh term for that is the carceral state I mean, mass incarceration incarceration is a human is a major major problem Definitely. Well, it's, it's like a, a huge problem of it is like, you know, people will go in for like a minor offense, like, mm -hmm. you know, they had like an ounce of weed on them or something like that, and they'll come out with a neck tattoo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, or, you know, they'll just come out worse. They don't come out better. They didn't learn any lesson. All they learned is that they hate uh, whoever busted them, you know? Maybe we should start in, in, introducing mandatory neck tattoos, sort of an inoculation. If everyone has a neck tattoo, then it'll be fine. Wait, if everyone had a neck tattoo? Yeah, yeah. We just do it. Uh, I don't like, want a neck tattoo. I don't want a neck tattoo, and I don't want to wear a burka, John. That's, you that's you want cool. to wear a burka, you want to have a neck tattoo. I don't you want my identifying you, neck you tattoo. Down. Really, really, you want to do that. Okay. I think we've spent <laughs> enough time uh, on the world today. I want to thank you for coming on, Ben. Yeah, sorry I got off topic a little That's bit right. there. I, uh, yeah. Uh, and what's going on with your neck of woods? Where is Earth Collider playing? Where can people find you, see you, uh, Marvel in your uh, I think we're playing at Static Age in April. I can't tell you the exact date. Uh, yeah, nothing Nothing anyone needs to come out to see at the moment. Okay. So stay <laughs> home. Stay home and play with your, uh, your Switch. Get a, go get a Switch and get occupied. All right. Well, we'll bring you more updates on that as it develops. Thank you again, Ben. You're listening to the Lemurian Hour. Why? 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to a regular feature of the Lemurian Hour, Cinematic Pig Seat, 
where I and my intelligent and forthright co-host Catlin Justice discuss odd movies, cult movies, movies that are acquired taste. Hello, Catlin. Hello. This week, we are discussing Hell's a Poppin', the 1941 musical based upon the successful stage play of the same name. And this was a heck of a movie. I think we can both agree on that. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> heck of a movie is like, um, like, I know people that say, like, he's a class act and you never quite know what that means. So, you know, it's not a good thing, but it could be because classic. But this was great. It was, it was awesome. It was very It was popular. Now, I should point out, uh, because it's going to come up sooner or later, this is the second time we're recording this particular episode of the podcast. Well, my equipment wasn't quite working last time. So if the jokes seem forced, that's because they are. We're remembering them. But one thing... (laughs) No, we're fresh. We are so fresh. Oh, yes, so fresh. Uh, One thing we did not know last time was the origin of the term Hell's a Pop. Why did they name the musical that? Well, it turns out, I did a little bit of research, i.e., by research, I mean I went to um, the Oxford English Dictionary online, and it turns out Hell's a Poppin' is in there as a word. It's a... Um, no. It is, yes. Uh, it's in a couple oh, of places. Uh, it means something along... Uh, this is actually from another website, alphadictionary.com. Uh, it is a adjective, and the first meaning is chaotic, clamorous, action-packed, powerfully exciting, swashbuckling. Uh, second meaning is flashy, ostentatious, flamboyant, resplendent, excessively jazzy. Whoa! So is it like an expletive? Not so much an expletive. The um, examples... Like an adjective? More of an adjective. Um, for ex- the examples they give, the original sense of Hell's a Poppin' runs the gamut from highly exciting to chaotic, i.e. Alley Caps was arrested for starting a Hell's a Poppin' brawl at the hairdresser Saturday afternoon. It goes with being strikingly fancy. Did you see that Hell's a Poppin' outfit that Maudlin Dresser wore to the party? I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> oh, damn! I'm going to start using this! It, you should. It's a very good word. Yes! And so according to this, they did not invent the word for this musical. This is basically like them calling a musical uh, Harlem Shake Review or something. They took a, a, a term that was being used and uh, put it onto the musical. So... Uh, our our forefathers are so much more interesting than commonly. <laughs> so yeah, um, so that was 1941. So I'm gonna have to stop like rolling my eyes every time Doy gets into the dictionary or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, on fleek is a legitimate word, evidently. Who knew? I didn't know. I still don't <laughs> quite know, but evidently it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So cool. Let's explain what this. So it started out as a stage movie, successful stage movie that didn't have a plot. It was basically just a series of loosely interconnected skits or scenes uh, put on by the uh, comedy duo of Olsen and Johnson. It was very big back in the day. Uh, it involved all sorts of interesting stunts, uh, impromptu audience participation, both as stooges placed in the audience and just basically picking people at random and doing horrible things to them, as <laughs> actors are wont to do. Uh, so, as anything successful, it was going to be made into a movie. But the studios insisted that they had to have some sort of plot, a love story, to tie everything together. So, 
why don't you walk us through the very beginning of the actual film, uh, Catlin? All right. So it was a laugh out loud in the first 30 seconds with me. Mm-hmm. Not an exhale through the nose kind of like <laughs> normal LOL. Like I actually laughed in the first 30 seconds of this movie. And um, any similarity to a motion picture is purely coincidental. <laughs> so we start off with Devils in a Factory Assembly doing chaotic, industrious song and dance. Um, I don't super remember what they were singing, but it was it didn't super matter either because everything was so visual and active and chaotic, and fast. you see them like what's that? And fast, everything was just boing boing boing. Fast, boing. yes, yeah. So you see people like, or you see the um, genuinely cartoony but still real live action um, devils with like the horns and the underwear with the the pitch the the um, sharp tails hanging off them, mm-hmm. and um, they're roasting people and and forging pitchforks and poking people and throwing people you know and somebody like falls through the well and or um, like a hole in the floor mm-hmm. and it was just so great. What the I men go. What's that? What I found really interesting is that there is a short little part of that scene. It only lasts for a couple of seconds, but you see. Okay, so at the very, very beginning of the movie, there's all these women in, like, this uh, high-class society dress, and they're stately walking downstairs and singing this, uh, like, (laughs) marriage love song. No, it's like, we're on television! (laughs) Well, except that we're... I I mean, that's the kind of... That song... They sang that. No, 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 they didn't sing that. What they were singing is actually one of the love songs from the middle of the movie. Oh, Okay. Uh, I, I recognized it in the middle of the movie. So a trap door literally opens up and it slides them all down into hell. But what I found interesting is that there's like a two-second spot where all the women are like signing their names to the guest book of hell. Mm-hmm. And there's this one woman who's signing, and she looks pleased as punch to be there. Yes. She, she Finally, I made it. This is where the party is, evidently. <laughs> oh, jeez. So um, two men are end up in hell via a um, cab driver. So this this car pulls in, and these two guys come out, and they're like, oh, well, here we are. That was the first time I ever had a cab taken directly where I was going. <laughs> and, well, um, no, the okay. first time I ever had a cab driver take me directly where I told him to go. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a great movie. These lines are just everywhere super fast. <laughs> um... It's it's awesome. So I, we don't know what the point of hell is, but it doesn't really matter because the movie is pretty disjointed. Um, they're they're in hell, and there's a whole bunch of producers and directors in hell, and um, these guys have an idea for a story. Am I getting that right? Well, no, it's not so much that they have the idea for a story. They've been um, it's <laughs> they've been um, transported to their story to hell's apartment, evidently. Hell is supposed to be Hell's Apopin. And Okay. But then the director off screen yells cut and we realize it wasn't actually Hell, it was just a sound yeah. stage. Yes. And um so these these two guys, um, they they want to make a movie, but the director says they can't do such crazy things because it's gotta have a story. It's gotta have a love story. And a lot of this movie is like really broad questions of why. <laughs> Why can't they make a movie with no story? Why does it have to be a love story? And they're, that's, the two main characters are always saying, Why? 
Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Like, and even like the entire plot of, you know, so they end up with, you know, what's her face has got to get with this guy and this guy can't get with this guy. And the whole thing is why? Like the, the main, you know, the pretty girl can't get with this guy. Why? He, he was in fact not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. They, they just needed him to get with this other guy. Why? He was actually really cute with that other girl. It doesn't matter. Because, <laughs> So the the whole thing is challenging generalized rules. Mm-hmm. And that is an undercurrent that is never actually questioned or noticeable. But what's interesting is it's never a challenge for it's never like they're challenging the rules. It's just that doesn't make any sense. That they just keep on going. They don't really stick to yeah, any of them. Exactly. Um so yeah. So then we're transported to well, not even yeah, it's like not even a transport because while while they're pitching their story, the the writer starts describing it, and so they sit down and they watch it. Suddenly they're in it. Suddenly there's sound, and they're in the movie, and they're making it happen, and they need to make this movie happen because they're in it. Um, Kitty likes Woody. Jeff wants Woody to get with Kitty. Pepe is a mad Russian chiseler, and a private detective has to make sure that everything goes well with the marriage at some point. None of this makes any sense. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's like, I don't know, it's just... It's almost it's almost a, like a Renaissance play in that this, the stock characters are so stock. Uh, the, yeah. The private detective is such a stock character. The, the, uh, the um, stick-in-the-mud uh, straight guy, the two uh, lovers, the parents... The uh, mm-hmm. bad Russian count. They're all playing incredibly broad stock characters. It's it's like having a movie with Punch and Judy as the two main stars. Uh, yeah. Because it doesn't really matter all that much. You're not there yeah. for the plot. You're there for the witty repartee and the acrobatics. Repartee. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 we got it. Um, so my favorite characters in the story by far... So the two, um, Olsen and Johnson, they have a sister, mm-hmm. Betty Johnson, and she's like the the homely girl. She plays the homely girl. She's not homely, she's but not homely. like the she's one that not. nobody wants. <laughs> um, and she goes chasing after this mad Russian count, like Pepe Le Pew, and it is. I I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was exactly like Looney Tunes. Only live action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. It was Pepe Le Pew, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found interesting is how much they kind they danced around the Hayes Code at that point because they mentioned the Hayes Code in the movie. Their uh, essential pl- part of the plot is quote unquote plot is uh, impugning the character of the, the, uh, of, the le- of the uh, female lead uh, for one reason or another. But they can't call her a slut. They want to call her a slut, but every time they try to call her a slut, there's a, <laughs> a there's a noise. It gets bleeped. And uh, we have a haze cut around here. You can't say that word. What? So they address that. They they lampshade it. But then they also pretty much imply that the sister Patty Johnson spent four hours in her bedroom with the with Pepe, a Russian count. And okay, they don't mention. Uh, what was going on, but it could have just been it could have been just kissing. I mean, it strains credulity to think that we were supposed to believe they were just kissing. 
I fully assumed that. That they were just kissing? Completely. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even question it. Nope. Totally innocent. Okay. Everything was above board. Don't worry about it. This is how I live my life, John. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, addition, like, with the, the continually bleeping of the, um, of the words, you know, anything suggesting slut or loose, I was assuming they were going to say. Because um, <laughs> that's how I live my life. Um, there was, we were also continually being interrupted by words flashing across the screen. Ah, uh, yes. And, yeah, um, like, they would be saying, like, you know, Louis Smith, go home, your wife is calling for you, or it's like some kid, your mother is on the phone, you need to go home right now, and then the the production would stop, and everybody in the movie would break the fourth wall and be like, hey, go home. <laughs> and then you, you're there making eye contact, because it's the fourth wall, and you're like, seriously, go, go home, I want to watch the movie. It was, <laughs> it was super fun. It was. They, yep. People are going to watch this movie. They're going to be entertained. They're going to think it's inventive. But I don't think they're going to realize how groundbreaking it was. The, no. No, they won't. I fully did not appreciate it until I started going back into it with it being 1941. Mm -hmm. and so, the, yeah. Why is it groundbreaking? Well, it's groundbreaking because the movie's 1941, but the show itself is the mid-30s. Surrealism, as a concept, wasn't talked about until the mid-twenties. So this movie's had 15 years to do surrealism, and it's doing it. Uh, this is a surrealist movie, This and it was a surrealist play, from all I can understand. Uh, they may not have called it that, but that's what it was. It was informed by surrealism. So to have that big of a play, that cool of a movie, happen that soon after that came on the scene, I think it's kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, I mean... Oh, absolutely. No, it was, it was probably definitely groundbreaking and like the people in the theater probably didn't know how to handle it. Hmm. But I've gotten so desensitized to that feeling, I probably could never fully appreciate. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you watched a movie and you're like, what the hell is happening? Hmm. My first one was the remake of The Producers. I could see that. Like, I sat there, like, I, I bought the ticket, I sat there, and I thought it was just going to be, like, every other musical I'd ever seen. And I got really embarrassed and really, you know, like, they were doing, they were referencing, like, Hitler and I, and sex, and I didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> and I was college age, so... That was the first one where it's like, I don't know what to do with this, because it's new and I was scary. Actually, now that I think about it, I think the first movie that was really what, wow, I didn't know you could do that with movies. It wasn't, right. it wasn't a particularly um, experimental movie. It was a piece of 80s science fiction pulp called Ice Pirates. Oh, but be yeah. Because when I saw it, it just it had such an incredible effect on me. I didn't, it, it was... I mean, I had seen Star Wars, but I had seen Star Wars when I was two, so I was, like, too young to really fully appreciate it. Ice Pirates is what really got me into science fiction. That and seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. That was probably a whole generation of what the hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so this movie had incredible song and dance numbers. You did. Um, really, really charming love songs with like, you know, the people drawing on the screen of the inside of the movie with paint to make it make cute little things. Watch the Birdie, um, by Martha Ray. Absolutely incredible. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, we covered, um, ballet. There was, like, the Las Vegas showgirl kind of stuff. There was a jazzy impromptu by, um, oh my gosh, who was it? It was, well... That great swing uh, dancing number? Yes, uh, in the movie they're credited as the Harlem Congaroos, and that's one of the names they've gone by. Another name they went by was Whitey's Lindy Hoppers. Amazing. And it, it's considered one of, like, the best swing dance numbers on film. And it was. I mean, it was also incredibly athletic. You don't, I mean, you see swing dancing in movies, and it looks fun. It, it, it looks like a bunch of jumping up and down. But this was Olympic-level strength training needed for these moves they were doing. I mean, I'm so Seriously, podcasters out there, you guys got to watch it. It's on YouTube. It's amazing. It is, yes. And we're also going Very to cool. link you to it. In the What's that? We're also going to be linking to it in the show notes, obviously. But, yeah. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and um, and we covered the rumba. Like, there was no... Like, <laughs> there, there wasn't... We like, covered a broad range of singing and dancing. Um, it also, speaking of, like, Olympic-level whatever, um, it had some of the best physical comedy I have ever seen by a woman. Hmm. Martha like Ray was bodies flying through the air. Was that <laughs> Martha Ray was quite quite good in that? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm a huge fan now. Huge <laughs> fan. Great. Uh, evidently, the biggest thing she's known for uh, after 1950 is starring in *Pauline*. Oh my gosh! Seriously? Yep. Oh man. She evidently had quite a career starring in *Pauline*. Okay, I can get on board with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's cool. I... <laughs> it probably didn't showcase her awesomeness. Like, probably less um... physical comedy during the play. Right. Yeah. Um. One of the other things. Oh my gosh. Um. So the the storyline has no super storyline. Not really. It's very very loosely connected. But in the play, they have to sabotage the movie in order for everything to turn out okay. Which I thought was pretty great. So the the two main characters are constantly sabotaging their own movie so that the leading lady and the leading man can get together. Well, actually, no, they're, they're, they they sabotage the movie so they don't. But then they use uh, the power and visibility to get them back together. <laughs> that was weird. I didn't get that. <laughs> I, I was guessing that that was um yeah. So um Ollie and Chick. Ollie disappears half of himself. I forget whether it's the bottom half or the top half. So there's just like, one of them is just feet walking around. And Chick makes half of himself invisible so that together they're like one person. They're just like a top half gone and a bottom half gone. And um, and I was guessing that that was like cool in the 40s when they were <laughs> playing with film. But I didn't know why they devoted so much time to it, except when they were doing the the play version, they probably couldn't do that. So I, I 
yeah, it made me think like, wow, how, how did they get the producer to write the check to make this happen um, when that was such a pivotal thing? I have no idea. But it was awesome. And um, I enjoyed reading the backstories of a lot of the actors, particularly, um, was it M- Mish Hour? Yes. Is that Peppy's Misha. name? Misha Hour. Misha Hour. Misha. Misha Hour, sorry. Um, he had an incredible story. Huge Wikipedia page. <laughs> covering, like, Russian refugee and poverty and all kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, you could, uh, you could mine a dozen good movies just out of biography of everyone connected with this one. Yeah. Yeah, Shemp Howard was in it. Yes, he was. Uh, one of the few times I've seen him, uh, saying Stooges. So. Yeah. Um, the rest of the people were super vaudeville. Which is always never not good. <laughs> and it, it really showed that there was not what you would might call subtlety in a lot of the actors. This was not a movie for subtlety. This was not a movie <laughs> no. for the dramatic understatement. No, no, no dramatic pauses, nothing like that. So, at this point, uh, any final thoughts about the movie? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we all enjoyed it. Um, as you may not be aware on Cinematic Pig's Feet we give rankings to movie in one to four dick cancer guns in honor of video drum that classic work so on that scale uh, one being yeah, uh, one being and, save yourself for the love of god save yourselves don't watch it that's what that means or that's a French uh, medical vampire remember that one yeah uh, yep sure do that was not <laughs> Yeah, so that that's what one dick cancer gun is. While four would be brain meltingly boppo. And on that, I think we can confidently give this one a brain meltingly boppo for dick cancer. Four dick cancer guns for me. Okay. It's great. Everyone should watch it. I loved it. Everyone should watch it. So, yeah. on that note, this has been uh, John Robinson. And Cattle Injustice. Saying I hope you enjoy the movie and I hope you uh, tune in next time for another episode of Synactic. So good. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Lemurian Hour. Our guests tonight have been Ben Robinson and Catalin Justice. The theme music for The Lemurian Hour is Future 1957 Instrumental by Daymare off the Futuristic Groove from the Past EP. You can find other episodes of this podcast at my website, johnnylemuria.com, and on iTunes. You can also find the Lemurian Hour on Facebook, and you can find Johnny Lemuria on Twitter and Pinterest, and on Tumblr at lemurianspace.tumblr.com. Stay tuned next week for our next episode, which will feature Ben Robinson and Unique Divination. Until then. <laughs>